Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shivaglani. We've had the pleasure of speaking to an amazing array of accomplished people on Raise the Line in the 300 episodes we've done, but never an elite athlete like our guest today, Leonard Marshall. Leonard is a former All-Pro defensive end in the NFL who spent most of his career as a standout player for the New York Giants, including making key contributions in two of their Super Bowl victories. In 2013, Leonard was diagnosed with chronic traumatic encephalopathy, or CTE for short, a degenerative brain disease detected in a growing number of retired NFL players. He has since been involved in spreading awareness about the issue and has become involved with Caring Kind, New York City's leading expert on Alzheimer's and dementia caregiving, which is the main reason we're speaking with him today. Karen Kine has a more than 40-year history of working directly with community partners to develop the information, tools, and training to support individuals and families affected by dementia, including a helpline, family counseling sessions, and safety programs. And our former board member and longtime advisor, friend, and investor in osmosis, Alan Patrikoff, as well as his assistant, Courtney Dawson, are the reason we're connected to Leonard. So, Leonard, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us today. You're quite welcome. You're quite welcome. So a lot of people are probably already familiar with you and your name, but uh, you know we, we would like to first start every question for our audience by letting the guests in their own words explain kind of their background. You know, what are some of your career highlights beyond what I already shared in the intro? What are you most proud of? Well, I think the one thing that I'm proud of, I come from a small little town along the bayou in the depth of Louisiana, one of the most northern points of recognition in the country. I come from an area that's probably one of the, the most southern points of recognition in America. We are the land of crawfish, catfish, bayous, and hurricanes, as I call it. We don't just serve them up by normalcy. You have them to drink where I come from. So <laughs> it, it's just amazing, my little area, Louisiana, and all the athletes that have been produced from my little area. So in, in keeping with that in contrast, I attended Louisiana State University as an undergraduate football player, scholastic athlete. I'm one of those guys who went to class. I finished my four years at LSU, and while playing for LSU, I got recognized by the National Football League and its scouting department. I was fortunate enough to be drafted by the New York Giants in 1983. I was the second player drafted in my draft class in 83, which produced probably the greatest draft in the history of the NFL because it produced so many Hall of Fame football players. And John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Eric Dickerson, and a host of others, including myself. I was elected to play with two of the greatest linebackers in the history of the NFL, and Harry Carson and Lawrence Taylor, coached by two of the greatest coaches in the NFL history, and Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells. And I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Romeo Cornell a bit. Romeo Cornell had a lot of early dealings in my career, and a lot of encouragement was offered as a player, not only because he played the position in college, but because he wanted to see as many guys as he possibly could succeed in the game of football and has been a major contributor to my career, both in and out of football. After moving out of football, I moved into uh, the postgraduate stint of, uh, of college. Uh, while graduating at Fairleigh Dickinson while playing, I moved into uh, serving as a, in, um, an executive in residence at Seton Hall University for six years while teaching in the Stillman School of Business. Mentored and taught over 300 kids in that department over a six-year stint. I've also been involved in several business ventures, 
outside of football. And I think one of my greatest accomplishments and something I rarely talk about is the raising of my son. My son is a Florida graduate, undergraduate in college, attended law school in, in, in New Jersey and Florida, and got his LLM from Georgetown University in the, I'm going to say, mid-teens of 2000, and has now been in practice, practicing law in four states and licensed in three to practice uh, New Jersey, New York, Washington, D.C., and Florida. So I'm very proud of, of what he's been able to do and what we've been able to help him do. Aside from that, I think that the, the other great feat that I look back on is the winning of two Super Bowls and the play for Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick in those Super Bowls and win, because not every guy wins the game. And then probably the, 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 the most successful thing of all, I'm married to Lisa Ann Marshall, formerly Lisa Ann Norcia. She has been a, a great spirit and inspiration and has been a great friend and mentor to me in terms of trying to be the best that I possibly can since I have all this time on my hand and not very much to do. Well, that's an amazing uh, array of accomplishments. And obviously, you've, you've had quite, quite a life both on the on the NFL field as well as off of it. Uh, and one more accomplishment we were talking about right before we started the podcast, you just became a grandfather, right? That's right. Matthew Robert is now 10 weeks old and I'm all excited. I think I got a picture of Matt. Wait, I'll share with you guys. <laughs> His father just this morning uh, turned around and my son said to me, you, you're going to like these pictures, Dad. But I, I thought I'd share that with you. So that's my little man, Matthew Robert, right there. Very cute. <laughs> Congrats. So, yeah. So thank you. So so you've obviously gone a little bit into what's kept you busy in your post NFL years and happy to dive further into that. But, you know, we've heard a lot about CTE, especially among great NFL players like yourself. You know, do you mind going a bit into how that's affected your daily life and how that's an influence your relationship to Alzheimer's and dementia? Sure. Well, I, I can tell you this. In, in 2007, I started having some problems and I noticed some cognitive issues. And and at that time, you know, it was a crazy space in my life and place in my life rather. And I was in a crazy space and trying to determine what's going on with me and why, you know, and the why thing became quite prevalent because I noticed a major change in my behavior and my attitude. I started getting phone calls from players and friends. They started telling me different things that were going on with them. I was doing comparisons and, and then talking about myself. Three of the guys I talked to are now deceased. David Little, Reggie Roby, and my dear friend David Durst. And all three had traumatic, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. 2011, I get a phone call from my little brother. My little brother tells me, Len, you need to look into this. This is what's going on with players. I know Rodney's looking into it. I know Otis is looking into it. I know Lance is looking into it. Okay, you know, I'll look into it. Now, I didn't want to tell my little brother what was going on with me because I didn't think I needed that to be spread out through my family. So I kind of kept that hush-hush. In the meantime, I called the attorney, and I started looking into this further. He suggested that I take some time, start to get some treatment. So I, I started doing a lot, of bit of, a lot of reading. I started reading about hyperbaric chamber treatment. I started reading about CBD the use of marijuana. I started reading about all these different nutraceutical treatments that you can get. 
I started doing some blood work, intensive blood work with a company called Synergenics to try to turn around the, the uh, reproduce better cells in my body, thinking that the cell deficiency was probably some of the cost of my brain, on my brain being injured. Unbeknownst to me, I come to find out some of that was attributable. However, it was blows to the head from football and, and severe blows. I mean, over 300,000 blows, to be honest with you. So I started taking a real, 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 real strong position against it. My attorney came across a group of guys out of Chicago, Illinois, that one of the guys ended up going to LSU during the time I was at LSU, a doctor by the name of Julian Bales, who became a team doctor for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Julian had been treating Mike Webster, the center from the Pittsburgh Steelers, for a long time. And it just so happened that right before I met Julian, Mike Webster committed suicide. So Julian suggested that I take a trip, fly out to California, go to UCLA, put myself in this study along with three other players, Tony Dorsett, Joe DeLamalore, and Mark Duper. We do it in conjunction with ESPN traveling and following with us and going to the different appointments with us. I did a PET scan, a CAT scan, a MRI, a series of MRIs. I did it with contrast and without contrast. And I wanted to find out just what was happening in between my ears and what could be a major cause of it. I did it over a four-day period. When I got back to New Jersey, they had called my attorney, had a conversation with him. He turns around and tells me, Leonard, you have chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And unbeknownst to you and to me, there is a case that can be made for diagnosing CTE in the living. And it just so happened that the doctors that you saw are able to do that. So, I mean, when I heard the news, I was severely affected by it. Because I, you know, I mean, I knew what I signed up for when I started to play pro football. I knew there was a very strong chance I could end up getting a knee injury, back injury, neck injury, maybe a concussion or two. But nowhere in that fine print did it say you could end up with chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And no one ever talked about it in my locker room, off the football field, in the training room. No one talked about it. So when I got the news, I was very much affected by it. Well, that's a remarkably difficult story. Leonard, and thanks for sharing that. And, you know, obviously on this podcast, I wouldn't even recognize anything being wrong, but how has it affected like your daily life? And also what's the relationship between CTE and the work that you started doing with Caring Kind on Alzheimer's and dementia as well? Well, one leads to the other. One leads to early stage dementia and early stage Parkinson's. And from that, Alzheimer's could be arrived or derived rather. The work I deal with Caring Kind is because I'm scared. I don't know. The unknown is what is, you know, fear is the greatest motivator, fellas. I mean, it motivated me to be an athlete. It motivated me to, to, to be, to return to society. It's motivated me now to come to understand what I'm walking around with every day. Am I a ticking time bomb ready to explode? Or can I deal with it and treat it the way I have? In which I've used the following, CBD, cannabis, blood work, heavy blood work, hyperbaric chamber treatment, you know, for a couple of hours a week, which really, one, will improve the flow of oxygen into the brain, 
and two, my ability to breathe when I meditate or when I take it down a notch. Yeah, and you also mentioned Cenogenics. The, the, the work that Cenogenics did early on helped me to, to see the value in terms of hormonal and cell regeneration and really how I pay attention to blood work. Pay attention to blood work often. That's been really good. I mean, I guess I can say that's the reason why at 60 years old, I feel is I kind of have this thing under control a little bit. It could be this way today and something way out of left field tomorrow. So, you know, but today I think I got it under control. Definitely, definitely appears that way. And so can you tell us a bit about how your relationship with Caring Kind began and how long you've been a supporter of theirs? Sure. I've briefly been a supporter of Caring Kind. I came to know Caring Kind by some of the people that work internally. But the main person that contacted me from Caring Kind was Courtney Dawson. And Courtney and I have maintained a friendship for a number of years. We share a few mutual friends. One of them happens to be a, a doctor who is the head of the ER at Lenox Hills Hospital by the name of Robert Gladder. And, and I respect Robert. Robert was a sideline doctor for a long period of time for the New York Giants. And he also worked for the Jets for a minute. But, but aside from that, Dr. Gladder and I maintain a friendship, a very respectful friendship, and one that I could go, go to him in the strictest of confidence or whatever it might be and get a true definition of what's happening, what I'm concerned about. And as defining of a moment, come to understand exactly how to deal with it from a medical standpoint. And I respect him for that. No matter what it is, if I go to him with it, he'll just shoot it to me straight. That's great. And we, we think the world of Courtney as well. She's, she's wonderful. Yes. And uh, Alan has been working with her for a long time. Speak very highly of her as well. So, you know, Karen Kind does a lot for the community. I know you were just there at the, the major gala they had over the summer uh, or a couple months ago. What, among the Karen Kind support services resonates most with you and, and how come? Carol Ben, Carol Byrne, and and Eleanor uh, Teton, from the moment I got involved with them, they wore their heart on their sleeve. And they laid it out for me. They made it real easy for me to un understand what they do. The people, you know, that I met from Karen Kind have been just... Wow, like I'm blown away. Just to hear you talk about Alan and the fact that Alan and his wife took the time from it. I don't know what a guy found the time to do this, but took the time from his co-chairmanship of his business and, and his eyeballs off of that business and onto this event alone, it, it speaks volume. I met some, some people that just blew me away at their ability to give just to give and just to be concerned about, you know, someone's mental health, someone's brain health, you know, all cognitively speaking. I met a guy that I would assume this woman was his girlfriend. I met a guy, a doctor from California who treated Muhammad Ali by the name of Sheldon Jordan. He treated Ali for 25 years. I would have never known this man had I not gone to that event. Okay. I would never have had the conversation, the depth of a conversation with someone who had dealt with someone on that level, like Muhammad Ali, who lived out his life with Parkinson's. Hell, I was, early, I was diagnosed with early stage Parkinson's by a group out of Virginia. I want to say Ruston, 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 Virginia. So that touched me, man. That touched me big time. 
and I said to myself, okay, Leonard, this is the here and now. So dive into the here and now and what you get out of it, take it back and hopefully it'll help you. And that night was a, such a special night because I met so many people that are so dedicated to this cause. Absolutely. And, and it's such a, it unites people of all backgrounds uh, because it can happen to anyone really. So Alan speaks very highly, both of you, but also his passion is for supporting caregivers now with his new company, Primetime Partners. It's not just the person who has dementia or Alzheimer's or these, these issues, but the people around them who also have to be there to care for for them, like Alan did for his wife, Susan, before she passed away. I'm curious, what are some developments in supporting caregivers you'd like to see happen over the next decade? I think the, the accentuation of, of folks just extending their hand to say, okay, I recognize why you're here. I wanna recognize what you do, how you do it, and see people help, just help. Just let the help come from the gift that you've been blessed with. Whatever walk of life you may come from, whether it be you're a politician, you're an architect, you're a financial advisor, you're a construction worker, whatever it may be. If you have dealt with people in this space and if you understand what it is that families go through when dealing with someone that's ill, whether it be mental illness or physical ailment, just continue to be that person. Just continue to, to learn what it means to stick a hand out and help somebody up, because it means a lot. Now, when you meet someone who, who is affected by dementia or Alzheimer's, what advice do you give them? Try to continue to live your best life. Despite the challenge and the hurdle you have to overcome, try the best to live your best life. Uh, understand that there are people that are around you that love, care, and and understand what you're going through. And if they don't, then you don't have to be around them. And if they do and you can gracefully embrace them, do that with no angst, no animosity whatsoever. Just just do it and understand their blessing because until they've walked in your shoes, they won't really truly know what it's like. So. I know we're coming up in time and we want to be respectful of yours. So my, my last question is, you know, on the topic of advice, you know, you gave advice to people, caregivers and people who have dementia and Alzheimer's. You know, a lot of our audience at Osmosis are current and future healthcare professionals. What's your general advice to them about meeting the challenges of, of this, this moment and approaching their careers in healthcare? I can tell you that I've met some of the finest people I know that have taken care of me in, in dire need of assistance. So I say that this to professionals, real professionals in the industry that take pride in what they do. Never stop doing what you love and never let that love stop you from what you want to do. Always continue to give of yourself and always know that there's someone that will appreciate what you do and they will show you how much they appreciate it someday just because. It might not be that moment, that you expect, it may not be the moment that you want, but there's someone that gives a damn about you. And if the person has that inside of them, they'll remember to pay it forward because someone gave a damn about them. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to pay it forward. 
Someone cared enough about me in 2013 to enable me to live my life. They knew my my thing was not over yet. They knew it just wasn't my time. And because God was willing to let me do that, I've now been able to pay it forward. I've blessed so many people's lives with the use of CBD and cannabis by educating them and make them aware of what those can do to change the faculties associated with traumatic brain injury. Okay, marijuana has changed at least 15 NFL players that I know, it has changed their lives. CBD, cannabidiol has changed their lives. I got a teammate right now, I won't name his name, but I will say he's had a thyroid brain surgery where he's had a tumor removed from above his eye. I've been feeding him CBD for the last seven, eight, nine years. He's still living. He's six foot six and 300 pounds, and he's still living. And I'm happy as hell because he was a member of the 1986 Super Bowl team with me and, and a guy I respect and love like a brother. So, and he's, 60, he's going to be 60 years old here in a few weeks. So I practice what I preach. I ask other people to do the same. If you love people, you love life, and you have the ability to touch someone else's life. Do it, do it, because that guy. At the end of the day, when you go stand at the at, at the altar, that's the only guy that really matters. That cat upstairs, you know, all those others that you got passed from the back from and told you how great you were, you know, they won't be around when you you know meet the pearly gates. They won't be there. <laughs> he will, but they won't be there. <laughs> well, I mean, that's great, great advice, and obviously well suited for our audience who are dedicating their lives to being professional caregivers and, and working with people who have Alzheimer's, dementia, CTE, and, and the other conditions we talked about today. So, Mr. Marshall, I really appreciate your time and obviously the advocacy you have for, for it's clear the passion you have for this, this community and this, uh, these conditions. And I appreciate respect what you and the rest of your team are doing. And Courtney, if you hear this podcast, it was you who told me just how great this organization was. And I'm so proud of what we've been able to accomplish. Thank you very much. Thank you again. And thanks again to, to Courtney and Alan and everyone else who's involved with Caring Kind. And with that, I'd like to thank our audience for checking out today's show. I'm Shiv Glani, And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise line. We're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.